Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, I like that music. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Danny. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Arsenal. Always Arsenal show. You're putting me off, Danny. Sweet man. I'm going to have a go at you. Um, thank you for all joining us tonight. And after the beautiful weather the whole of England have had, I'm glad to see my two guests are safe and well. So let's welcome them. First up, Danny. My lovely Danny from the Burkamp Wonderland. Wonderland Pod, see what I mean? Um, who is like another brother from a podcast mother. As for those that don't know, when I was asked to be on a girl's podcast, Danny was on the boy's side and I was on the girl's side. And that we were just working out was about nine years ago. Yep. Isn't it, Dan Dan? So welcome to the show, my lovely. Thank you for inviting me. It's very nice. I've had uh, I've had lots of chicken. I've had half a bag of Doritos and a bottle of Lucas and I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> You're ready, aren't you? Okay, next up is Melvin. Lovely Melvin. Melvin is probably another uncle from a grandmother. <laughs> and Melvin, come on, tell everyone what pods you're on, because I don't know how many you do. I'm on mainly over and over and over again with Richard. I'm on Ryan, Mr. Arsenal 89, and also from Dull Square to Wear. And wow. I've done a few it's quizzes like... with uh, this gentleman below me on the screen. Oh, if you do quizzes with Danny, there's no way you'd win because he just knows everything about Arsenal. No pressure, Dan, but I know what you like. It's like a podcast roundtable tonight. It's like we're all podcast people. It's so cool. Um, Right, first things first. Last week I did a post-game show, my first ever as a host against Wolves, and I need to apologise and retract something I said. So, Martinelli and the two yellow cards. Albert was on with me. And I said to Albert, I thought the two yellow cards were correct. But as you know, it's like a manager coming off the pitch and and verbalising the adrenaline. I'd just come off watching a game where we'd scored a goal and we won three points. That was really important. After I came off the pod and I read some comments and then I read the laws and everything, I do actually think the referee was completely wrong. Um, He should have booked Martinelli, stopped the game. Because one of the things that I did really realise, was he may not have made that second foul if he had known he was going to get booked for the first one. So it was unfair. So I'm retracting what I'm saying. Um, Right, everyone. Tomorrow, we've got Brentford. We haven't got Martinelli, obviously, because of the two yellow cards. Melvin, who would you go with up front instead of Martinelli? I would just swap or take Martinelli. Obviously, you can't play and put uh, Smith Rowe there. I think he plays yeah. well on the wide on the left. I don't think it's a difficult choice, really. It's not like we were, say, six months ago, nine months ago. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? We don't know who's our centre for. We don't know what this is. There's so many different variations. I mean, let's face it, we can probably put the team tonight. 
can probably get it 99%, can't we, really? We couldn't have done that six months ago. We wouldn't even know. Got about three right. So I'm very happy yeah. that we're in this situation. And obviously, if Tom is fit, you've got to put him right. As, it, as well as Cedric did play the other day, you want Tommy in the team, don't you? It gives us so much more. Well, he does. And it's great news about Tommy because he does seem, fingers crossed, that he may pay, play a part tomorrow. Yeah. Danny... <laughs> Danny, okay, so I'm going to ask you two about the yellow cards. What did you think straight away? Would you like me or did you think, nah, that's out of order? I, th I thought it was a mistake. And then I thought, well, the first one was because you could see that he'd shoved the, the bloke who was about to take the run in because, uh, take the throw in because he mm. wanted to quickly run back because he does do a lot of covering at left back and left wing and all along that place. And he was trying to slow play down so that he could, he could get back into position because he could see it's going to be a quick throw. His teammate is going to get the ball and he'd be halfway down the pitch before Martinelli would be round ready. Uh, and so he gave him a little shove and then went running after him. And so maybe give him a warning for that shove. It wasn't violent. It wasn't anything else. It was just him uh, playing the game because the bloke took a, a free, uh, a quick free, uh, throw in, which was an illegal throwing apparently according to people who understand mm. the rules asked Hector Bellerin and he said yeah it's an illegal throwing because he knows all about those and then he ran the stupid thing was that when he ran down there he caught the bloke and he, he, he was he, he could have overtaken him got in front of him and then said no you're not going any further I'm going to put a stop in but he didn't he grabbed hold of him or shoved him or pulled him over or whatever that he did and you're thinking that's something you learn as um, with age and experience as a player not to do that so although possibly both incidents were yellow card incidents, which equals a red card. The referee has never happened in Premier League football before. And Keith Hackett was saying um, that he should have either given him a warning for one and a yellow for the other. But he obviously wanted to send him off because he didn't. He didn't that's the kind of referee he is. Um, you've got referees like that that are they're all about themselves. They want to be in the limelight. Yeah. They want to be the, making the controversial decisions. And they get away with it. And he's got away with it again. It does seem a bit like that, doesn't it? And what's all this nonsense with Wolves telling us off for celebrating? When, when is it illegal to celebrate a, a hard-fought win with 10 men? Uh, playing the game, aren't they? The uh, the social media game where they uh, their, their Twitter account was, uh, was having a bit of a dig. I thought there's no need for it. Historically, Arsenal fans and Wolves fans have always got on. I quite like Wolves. I'm glad that they play nice football. And I'm glad they're staying up. Well, someone who is celebrating, Tracy, who I've just put on the screen, it's her birthday tonight, but it's not tonight for her because she's in Australia. So she's up watching us on wow. her birthday. I think it must be, what, four o'clock in the morning, Trace? Anyway, happy birthday, darling. Thank you so much for all your support on Twitter and on the podcast. And she's a great Guna girl. So happy birthday, Tracy. Happy birthday. Um, evening to everybody in the chat room as well. Um, it's just been, it's so lovely to have these two with me. And now we're going to, I'm going to ask you for some questions as well, but let, let's just chat about a couple of things we've got. Does it, is it three games in hand on United? I shall have a quick look. Have a quick look. Dan, we've played 22 is... yet and they've played 25. Three right. games. So I'm the sort of girl and I did tweet about this, that I'm a more points in the, points on the scoreboard, games in hand, not sort of girl. Um, it's nice to have, but as we've seen what Tottenham did, they didn't take any advantage of it, did they, Melvin? No, they didn't, but we're not Tottenham, thank God. No, uh, I think, <laughs> listen, the way we're playing, uh, we, we we will get points. We may not get, you know, four points, but the next few games are not that difficult. And if we play, continue with the momentum we've got, I see no reason. Yes, of course, I'd rather three points and have to play for them, but we'll have to play these games. And we only, and if we're good enough, we get the points. And if we're not, we won't. So let's just take every game. We've got 16 more games. Keep it all going. Be consistent. And don't worry about the other teams. Even if whatever points we're behind. Say we're six points behind. It's irrelevant. If we play our own game, play well, we'll overtake these teams. Because they will be dropping points as well. But Melvin, so Melvin, them. Melvin. We are having a problem scoring goals. We can't deny that. And as much as I am massively behind Arteta. We cannot deny that. So what makes you think that these games coming up are easy? This is the Arsenal, Melvin. You know, know. that Brentford are coming to us tomorrow in such poor form. They're going to turn into like Barcelona tomorrow. I remember the first game of the season. <laughs> My God, that was horrendous, wasn't it? Yep. Friday night, sitting, getting ready for it. Absolutely wonderful. And it just went horribly wrong. 
I mean, I think we lasted two minutes before me and my son went, this ain't right. Something's not right here. No, it's, listen, you've got to be confident. We've pulled um, performances out of the bag that we didn't think we would do this year. I think we do it again. Yes, we can't score goals. But at the moment, <clears throat> we're in this position, so we must be scoring some goals. We need to score a lot more. <clears throat> I agree, because we cannot afford to let goals in with our attack. That's the big problem. But you never know. You know, I think that when Martinelli comes back, I'd love to see him go in the middle because I think he's the guy to do it. You know, we can have a chat about Lacazette another time, but I think he's the guy that will actually make the runs in the box because you look at uh, Odegaard, for example, people are not sure about him, but he hasn't got anyone to give it to in the box. When he gets the ball outside the box, all he can give it to is wide to Saka because no one's running in the box. If we have someone that running at space in the box or making space, I think we'd be all right. But uh, I'm, I'm confident. I really am. I'm why do to be you a... think, sorry, Melvin, why do you think people aren't um, happy with Erdgar? I, I hear the opposite, actually. I, I think, obviously, some maybe are not. But I hear the opposite, that they think he is talented and he is doing well. He's, he is talented. He's very talented. But I think they're worried. The ones that people I speak to, some of them, not all of them, some of them are saying that final ball into the box doesn't happen with him. And they're saying all the lovely work before it. His one touch is very good. He's, he's not that strong on the ball either, in all fairness. He gets knocked off the ball for my liking a bit too much. I like him, but if you're going to be critical, that's what I would be critical with him. And also, I'm not blaming him for not putting the ball in the box and getting it in because he's got no one to give it to. I think he links up with Saka very, very well. And he's got some lovely touches, but he just doesn't do enough. And I'm, I'm hoping it's just because he's got no one to give it to in the box rather than he just can't do it. I think he can do it. And he just hasn't got anyone to give it to. Dan, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think his future could well be as a more of a Thierry Henry style player mm. where he's not necessarily being the main striker, but he will be the one scoring the goals, coming in from the left-hand side, but he can come in from the right-hand side as well. So I think Melvin's quite right. But at times like this, we know Lacazette can't do the the 8, the 10 and the holding down attacking midfielder role. He can't do all of those jobs and then sprint up and then try and score goals. So I'd like to see him in play in that position sooner rather than later because Eddie isn't isn't the man to score goals. He's no, he hasn't scored a Premier League goal for his all season, not played that many games, but he's shown his level is in the league, is in um League Cup and European games and, and yep. FA Cup against lesser opposition. Uh, I don't think in his lifetime he's ever gonna do well against any of the top six teams in the Premier League, sadly. Okay. So, um, Graham's got a question for us. Hi, Graham. Thank you so much for being in the chat room and asking. Good to have Danny and Melvin on, Amanda. I agree. Do the boys think referees referee <laughs> Arsenal differently to other clubs? Dan, you sort of said about the referee with Martinelli, didn't you? That you felt like he wants to be in the limelight. So, mm. do you agree with what Graham said? Oh. oh yeah, yeah, they definitely do. You look at, um, I think there's only one um, of the Premier League referees who isn't from the north, and like there was when well, I was talking to, um, I think it was Josh on my pod, he was saying that that one of the the referees grew up one mile away from Manchester, but didn't support Manchester United from Man United's ground. Grew up for that that far away, and said he didn't support them. He supported Altrincham or some or or some yeah, Nantwich or something like that. that. Yeah, there is far too much bias, and even now we've seen that Gary Neville and them lot have come out and said that the the fiftieth game at Old Trafford, they just uh, knew how to manipulate the referee. We we've seen it ever since the Premier League has started. Most of the referees are from the north. Uh, or the Midlands, and that's the teams they support. And we don't get the rub of the green regularly, and they don't like us. And it's almost like they like to see us complain when they treat us unfairly. But it didn't do used you, to matter because no, we were so think, good. Do you think Shaka is treated unfairly? A lot of Arsenal fans do. Do you think? Do you think? You know, often you see fouls, and often I tweet if that was Shaka. You know, I yeah. do feel. I'm I'm not really a conspiracy theorist with referees, but I do feel at the moment now, Shaka does get targeted. Do you agree or not? It reminds me a little bit of Vinnie Jones back in the day when mm. Vinnie Jones used to get booked for absolutely everything. You can you can sum up Shaka's luck with referees where he made that tackle right in front of the uh, the manager's box, the um the area, and he took someone out. Didn't really, it wasn't really uh, maybe a yellow card. It was early on in the game, I think, and he got a straight red for it. And then you just think what Man City. I can't remember who he was. It's last season or the season oh, before. Yeah, and that just sums him up. I mean, he's an idiot. He doesn't yeah. seem to realise that 
that cameras are everywhere. You're not going to get away with it. And he did it against Wolves, grabbing hold of the bloke's top and, and pulling him and party both got booked early on in the, in the, in the, yeah. in the first half. And you think, oh, you're stupid then. You, you can't be that thick that you think you're going to get away with it when the referees definitely have it in for him. Whereas Son and that lot aren't that kind of bloke. Sim Xhaka is that kind of bloke. How do you feel that um, Arteta can stop this, Melvin? Because if you saw the interview, he even said, I don't know what else I can do. I don't know how to stop it. I don't think he can stop it. How can you stop it? What do you say to a player? Don't don't get... Listen, you should say don't get stupid um, yellow cards or red cards. That's obvious. They should know that. They're professional. But you can't stop the way they tackle. You can't take that away. You take that 5% away from a player, then you're looking for trouble. I'd rather... I'd rather have a bad name and get the points and just give up and play uh, at uh, 95%. You can't do that in this league. You, we're not clever enough, perhaps. Perhaps <clears> the boys <throat> are too young. They're not clever enough. But we don't get the rub of the green. I mean, you, sometimes you think that the referee can't wait, if there's a foul, to take that yellow card out with us. Whereas other teams, you think he's looking for an excuse not to give the yellow card. You really do think that. I really... It, it's. And every time you're knocking your head against football, you're saying, well, well, I know I'm biased. Of course I'm biased. We're all biased as football fans from all clubs. If you think, you know, I know I'm biased, but this ain't right. Come on. And to go back to the Wolves game, I think on that double yellow card, I think he wanted to do that, the ref, because he now he knows he's in the Guinness Book of Records. So I think his job done as far as he's concerned. But you know what, though, isn't it just? If it's going to happen, it's going to go into the Arsenal. It, yep. Anything. It's so mental, isn't it, at the moment? Um, thanks for your message. Um, uh, question, Graham. Robert's got an interesting one here, um, which we were talking about. I asked you, Melvin, and I asked Danny. Robert Stevens, I honestly think Pepe should go up front for tomorrow ga tomorrow's game. He adds another dimension through the middle. Danny? No. Um, Chris, as I'm just looking at his stats here, he played uh, under the, the Leeds manager, whose name I can't remember. Matt um, uh, Bielsa, he played under, under him at Lille, for I think one or two seasons, his first season in league only scored thirteen in thirty-six league games. Some of them were penalties, and then the season we bought him, he scored twenty-two in thirty-eight. I think half of those, maybe ten or eleven of those, were penalties. And he mm. did spend some of that season, two thousand eighteen, nineteen, playing as a striker, and it didn't work. It's not what he does. He, I mean, you see sometimes when he'll get a pass load of players. And then he'll, it looks like he'll panic and he'll just go, uh, I don't remember like, like occasionally, like Theo used to do, sometimes he'd go months on end with no end product. He'd, he'd show all the skill getting past people, getting down to the byline and then just have no end product. It, he isn't the kind of player that could play regularly as a striker. I'd have him come on rather than Pepe, but rather than Nketiah as play as a striker because he's got pace. And something you hate as a defender is someone's going to run at you with the ball, tricky feet and going to get past you. What he does after he gets past you, that's the bit that is the problem. But, but in his in his life, he scored 74 goals in 260 games, all competitions, all teams. So he obviously knows how to score. So maybe give him a run now that we're down to the bare bones of uh, of having uh, Lacazette isn't really on form and he's rusty and he's playing not playing as a striker. And Eddie doesn't look like he really but he's bothered. No, but <clears throat> Pepe might come back a bit hungrier. We haven't seen him for... When is the last... Right, Dan, this is for you to look up. When is the last <laughs> time you played for us? And in between this, I'm going to read out um, Albert's, Albrecht Schultz, a.k.a. I can't say it. Kajabo him Albert. Albert, yeah. Um, this is for you, Melvin. I love Erdegaard. We miss our striker doing the first post run, which doesn't allow us to generate space in behind. Who are the runners in behind? ESR will show up there for sure. Is that... Generally, what you were trying to say about yeah. the fact that he hasn't got yeah. anyone to pass to. No one, because mm. you look at you watch him when he gets the ball. There's a there's all the defence in the box, and we, our forwards are facing the wrong way. Like Lacazette's facing the wrong way anyway. There's no one running down the channel, even the small channels in the box. No one making any movement. So he's got a tough job. But as I hope that it, that is the reason, and not the reason that he's not. I don't think performing to 100 percent is because he hasn't got the runners, and not because he hasn't got it. I think he has got it. I think he's got a good football brain. I think he can do it. But as you're right, yeah. Eddie is not good enough. He's had enough chances. He's no he's not like a nineteen year old now. He's 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 old enough. He's played enough games from us. We we can see with our own eyes whether he's good enough. And I don't for one believe he's good enough. Pepe in the middle, yeah, I'll give it a try on the on the basis that 
once he does these little jinks in the middle, they can't afford to foul him. They fail him on the wing, not a problem. Mm. You foul him down towards goal, you might give a penalty away. So I'd like to I'd like to see. Listen, if he doesn't play at centre forward, he hasn't got a position in this team. Because the other day, when uh, as I say, Eddie came on before him, you're thinking the manager cannot rate him at all. There cannot be a place in the team for Pepe at the moment if he's bringing well, on Eddie. We him. don't know what goes on behind the scenes, do we? Right, Dan, you got that stat. When did he last play yeah. for us? The last time he played in the Premier League was on. The, he came on for the last 12 minutes of Norwich five 0 on the on Boxing Day. Game before that was three games before that. He played seven minutes against Southampton. Wow. And then the last time he played 90 minutes was against mm. Sunderland in the League Cup on the 12th or the 21st of December. And the last time before that he played 90 minutes was against Leeds in the League Cup on the 26th of October. Okay. So he hasn't had a full game for a while, was he? No. Not I think he'll be on the bench tomorrow. But okay. Matthew D'Souza, by the way, thank you for all your questions. I was going to go down a different route, but we'll go down that route later. Well, let's do the questions. Matthew D'Souza, the reason we get players sent off is because we don't read the temperature of the game and cause our own problems. I sort of agree with that, Matthew. I've, I've, I'm not the referee conspiracy theorist. I'm a little bit with Xhaka, but I sort of agree with that. Melvin, do you or not? Do you think they get sent off because they don't read it properly? I think some of them, Jacker, for example, doesn't read it properly. No, he just doesn't, doesn't matter. He's illiterate when it comes to reading the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's in a different language, isn't it? No, he can't read the game. He can't read anything, no. I think the others, I think that I think we're very unlucky. I really do. And whether it's the referee's biasness or just we're very unlucky, I don't know. Perhaps it's a bit of both. But we are definitely different. They treat We are treated differently. We get decisions against us that are different to other teams. We've had players that should have been sent off against us. I'm talking about double reds, where the tackle's been horrendous and they don't even get booked. You're thinking, really? Really? If he had a different badge in his shirt, would it be a different outcome? And I reckon it would be. So it's not. Would well, you know it's, it's interesting you say that, Melvin? Because I don't, I'm not like Dan. I don't remember thousands of things. But the one thing I do mm. remember from this season is Harry Kane at Tottenham against Liverpool. And what he did to, I think it was. Trent or Robert, I can't remember which one it was to. The left back, it was a, Robertson. yeah, Robertson. It was a red card without even doing VAR. Yeah, he didn't even get sent off. I don't even know why he got a yellow card because why would you give a yellow for that? For what? It's either a red or nothing. Yeah, and then what 20 minutes later. You get uh, Robinson doing that and get sent off. And it was a sending off. I'm not disputing that. But I've always said this. Harry Kane does get treated differently and Spurs players get treated differently. It could be the English, England setup. It could all to be to do with that. But I've always felt that. And I'm not, as I said, and everyone knows me, I'm not one of these that's a sheep and jumps on the bandwagon. I've only really felt that Xhaka's got treated differently more this season, and I'm sure more people have thought that. But Utebi said Xhaka is an instigator of his own problems. I think we all agree there, don't we? Hmm. Really yeah, needs it's, not just, to... it's not just that we get punished more. We don't get protected. Xhaka against, I mean, uh, Saka against Crystal Palace. He was standing on one leg. The bloke nearly broke his leg. Tommy Ashu kick in the face. Mm. Nothing. Nothing was done. Those those were both straight reds. They should both of those were attacks. They were physical attacks. Yeah. Like, like remember back in the day, uh, Duncan Ferguson for Rangers went to prison for what he did to somebody yeah. on the pitch. They're physical attacks. Nothing got happened. Nothing happened against it. So it's both ways. We're we're losing when it comes to being punished, and we're losing when it comes to being uh, um, defended against. It's the whole thing's corrupt. We know it's corrupt. Yeah. Well, this is what, um, so Johnny Boy said, in the same way the top three clubs get off lightly, Arsenal get spanked. These overpaid refs are ruining the game we love. Uh, you know what? I I'm, I don't even know if it's the refs anymore. I think it's the people behind VAR as well. Um, this toenail, if you've got a toenail, you're offside. You know, we sit there. The David Luiz against Wolves where the, yeah, his, his knee barely touched that. his foot. Oh, and, oh, and then you get the other players one. doing the same foul and nothing. And I argue to the hill, you know, I'm quite a fair fan. If I see something happen against West Ham or something, I would call it out. But we just, David, oh, don't even start me. I could do a whole show on, on referees. Um, right, okay, so Carl Stark, what positions do we need to fill in the summer? Well, I think one's pretty obvious. Um, Dan? <laughs> 
Well, it's going to have to be a... See, I was wondering whether Man City don't play with a striker. Pep is uh, is is the, the a legend for Arteta. Is Arteta going down the route? Because we've seen that uh, Lacazette doesn't play as a striker anymore. He's playing deeper. I often wonder whether the future for Arsenal could be Arteta copying what Pep does. Then we don't mm. need a striker in the summer. We just need a more creative midfielder who's going to push forward. Whatever it is, Lacazette isn't the answer. Eddie isn't the answer. Pepe isn't the answer. So all of those need to, to be gone and get someone. Personally, I do like a striker. I like someone like Calvert-Lewin or that Isaac bloke looks pretty good, uh, mainly because when he was, they were both on loan at Real Zaragoza, him and Odegaard were both there and they were both fantastic. They had uh, Odegaard set up so many of his goals. And this season, he's not having that much of a, not scoring that many goals, although his team are doing quite good in La Liga. I think they're in the top five. And so it's going to have to be someone up front who's going to score goals because although yeah. I do prefer a team where you're going to get goals from everywhere and we do have goals on the left, on the right, in central midfield, goals off the bench. And I don't like it when a team has... Remember in the days when if Thierry Henry didn't score, we didn't score. And then sometimes, I mean, that's happened. The same with Ian Wright, especially when he was scoring. If he didn't score, if Ian Wright weren't playing, you'd think, well, we're not scoring today. And then... Then we had the, the days uh, in the Invincibles where you had so many players. I mean, even Gilberto once scored about six or seven in a season. A few were penalties. And so you've got to look at who, what sort of top football he's going to play. If he's going to play with a striker, then it's going to have to be one of the half strikers coming in, someone who's going to be, who's going to be happy to come in as backup. We're going to have European competition, probably the Champions League we'll be playing in. And, uh, and then we're going to need someone to replace Xhaka. And maybe, I think if we've got an offer for party, I'd let party go as well. Because Party's been here now for 18 months, two years. I can never remember when we signed him. And he's not done it. He has not been a £50 million player. He, occasionally, you've seen him and you've gone, wow. That is at, when he's on the right side of midfield and he does a lofted ball all the way over onto the left wing to the to pinpoint to the foot of the person running onto it. You think, well, if you can do that now, why can't you do that game in, game out? It just doesn't look like he, he likes to likes to be here. I mean, you're not going to come from Madrid to come play in North London and go, well, the weather's lovely. And I like the fact that I can't go out without getting robbed, beaten up and my house burgled. So oh, right. Okay. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't um, want to live in London. I'd rather live in Madrid. <laughs> I'm in disagreement about party. I think it's exactly what I need. And I think he's going to shine this, this, Hopefully. this coming season, Dan. I well, if he gets a decent someone next to him, he's going to be yes. out playing more than a couple of games in a row without getting sent off. Yeah. And isn't going to... Yeah. <laughs> so what that's... I mean, do who do you think... Who, is there anyone you want? I, well, I actually was going to talk about Lacazette because I've always been a big fan of his because I think yeah. he does a lot of work off the ball. Yes, but we do need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. I would give Lacazette a year's extension on his contract to have him there, Dan. As long mm. as in the but if it, if it's detrimental to going out in the summer and buying someone, then no, he'll have to go. Um, but I think I think you know we had Alan Smith on the show about three, four weeks ago, and we were talking about this, and I just kept saying to him, we just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. That's it. That's that's all we need. The defence is doing well. I'm happy with the goalkeeper party if we can get a midfielder because, obviously, Xhaka needs to stay on the pitch. We cannot continue this with 10 men. It is just ridiculous. But thank you for your for your question. Um... Can I just say something about party? Yeah, I go on, you can. Of course. The players we've got, but I'm afraid he's also one one of the most clumsiest. He can lose the ball so easily in such a bad position. And luckily, he gets away with it nine times out of ten. Some of the some of his movement is fantastic. He turns his shoulder and he takes three players one way. And then the next minute, the ball goes through his legs and it come off his knee. He's definitely got it there. And I agree, he hasn't quite done it. And, I, you know, you see the old clips of him when he played for um, Madrid. He looked mm. unbelievable. He looked stronger. He looked like he'd win every 75-25 tackle. Nowadays, he's got to be 60-40 in his, in his uh, favour, really. He's been a big disappointment, but uh, he's definitely classy. And let's hope he just all of a sudden, something clicks and he can do it. Because uh, he's definitely, he, he can actually, he's got that in him. Let's hope he does it. Okay. And this, this is true as well, um, what Albert's saying about Mane on Tierney with his elbow. He's done it about twice. I mean, yeah, I, I, so I, I've got I've got many many Scouse friends, and they were there that night, and they're actually um, really good to talk to. And one of them said to me, "He should have been gone, Mane." And I said, "Let me tell you, if that was an Arsenal player, and this is what I get sick of saying, because it's true, if that was an Arsenal player, on Mane elbow, 
off the pitch off the pitch um and you got all the scouse mafia as well in the in the news and in the papers and on on tv and the commentators and they don't call it out no but 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 have you seen what's happened today you know that goal we scored against wolves to win the other night it it went Navarre, didn't it they reckon it might be still um, not given the goal now why what what goal are you talking about we won one nil the goal that was they went Navarre, the one that um gabrielle scored they reckon no, it came over from Ben White and then Lacazette yeah. went up for it and fell they on the goalkeeper. What are you talking about? What? Give the them goal, what the... the goal may not be that might, you know, it's never happened before, so it's going to happen to Arsenal and they might disallow the goal still. I'm pulling your leg, I'm just saying our bias. Oh, me. Melvin, I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> what are you going on about? The game's over a week ago. We've got three it's points. Arsenal. It's oh Arsenal. my god, exactly. do not do that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Melvin, because some of my um, uh, chat room people, sorry, my head is just all over the place tonight, because some of our listeners don't know who you are, and tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been going over the Arsenal? Well, the first time I went to Arsenal, um, 31st of March this year will be my 60th year going to the Arsenal. Wow, like my dad. 60th? Yeah, 60. Yeah, I went when I was seven. I went when I was seven. So 31st of March, I went to a game. My uncle, who lived with us, is mad Arsenal. That's why I support Arsenal, because my father, but he was a supporter, because my uncle, mad, mad Arsenal supporter. Um, I went, we played Aston Villa at home. We got beat 5-4. And twice, I asked my father to take me to the toilet, as you do as a little kid. And twice, Villa scored. I got blamed for the defeat. And they wouldn't take me for a couple of months after that. My mum went mad at him. You can't blame him. He's a six, seven-year-old kid. And they took me later on because my mum was uh, made sure they did. But that was that was my first ever game. I've, I've you know I started as I say sixty two three. It's probably sixty four season. I went consistently. Watched them watched them all the way through. I used to go to away games as well. When I was about thirteen, my uncle used to take me to the cup games away. That was brilliant. Going up north for away FA Cup. The atmosphere, you know, sometimes it was snowing around there, especially the third round. It was absolutely. Brilliant atmosphere and brilliant times. We had some really, really good games. We had some horrible games as well. You know, you know, we got beat by a team getting relegated. We got beat three 0 by Blackburn when they were bottom of the division. Went up to Ewood Park. It was horrible. But I've had, but it's uh, as I say, 30, 31st of March. I'm gonna take have a little drink. That would be my sixtieth year supporting the Arsenal. Going wow. to We lost that five four. That's it. 5-4. <laughs> I knew you. Do you know what? I knew you were going to know this. And no, Perry Gross, his uncle. Four, they blame me for his uncle played up front. Um, right. So, Melvin, I need to get you on with my dad and another lady oh. that I want on. That will be a show. I probably wouldn't even have to speak the whole show. <laughs> be amazing. Where did you used to sit at Highbury? East, west, well, it, clock or it was north? East upper, block D. That's where I was. Yeah, row I was two. block E. Row block E, block D, row two, second row. So I was block E, row seven, and then I was block F. You were so biased, yeah. The director's box was one block away from us. I don't know if I've told you this, but I used to see you at football when you first started going, standing outside (laughs) the East Stand where the the marble stairs was. Yeah, you and your father. The The only reason I know it's you is because there were no other girls that used to go then. It's exactly very... right. Do you know what? There's there when I went, there was Maria in the West Stand who we didn't know but heard. Um, yes. and people <laughs> used to accuse me of that on match of the day. And then there was a lady called Janet, who's a very close friend of mine who has been to football longer than me. She was the only girl I know. There was no girls there in the 80s, late no. 80s, early right. 90s. It all started when the, the females arrived and they wanted to watch football, which is fantastic. I love that. Um, that is just amazing. 60 years. That's just fantastic. Don't look a day over 50, Melvin. You can pay me later. I will. Um, Checks in the post. Danny, how'd you get into it? I actually don't know how you got into supporting Arsenal. Uh, 1976, I'd, I was in primary school. My mum had to go and get me a PE kit. She went mm. down went to Huntingdon, went to Sports and Fashions, had a look for all of them. They had Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Aston Villa. And, uh, and she looked at them and she went, well, uh, which of these teams should I pick? 
and then uh, one of the, the person there said something about uh, Arsenal and they she said oh haven't they got Irish players and they said yeah and she said oh I love that then and that's why I support Arsenal <laughs> that was it. Irish yeah okay so no one has to ask me what my favorite ever Arsenal game is was no one ever everyone knows I'm not even going to go there no they don't so no, they don't. Danny, what's your favourite ever Arsenal game? The end of the 97-98 uh, season, 4-0 against Everton. Magnificent game. My favourite game, my favourite goal, scored by my favourite player in my favourite season with my favourite bunch of players at my favourite stadium. Absolute. That was the pinnacle of being an yeah. Arsenal fan. To be there as we did the first part of the double yeah. And then a few weeks later to go to be at uh, the Newcastle game on the hottest day this planet has ever known oh, at yeah. Wembley being Newcastle 2-0. That's one of my other fo favourite ones. To be there as we, we've done the double, you're thinking, wow, that no no team's ever going to do that again. That was um, Nicholas football. and Elka, wasn't it? Was it Nicholas and Elka? Newcastle? Yeah. Newcastle over miles and, uh, um, and Elka, yeah. Ray. Oh, no, Ray. Uh, well, okay, yeah. Ray, Ray was Cardiff, Chelsea. Um, yeah. sorry. Um, so Anelka was absolutely on fire, and I found that. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I heard the reason he decided to leave us was because there was an internet poll that people said he wasn't going to be as good as Ian Wright. I think it was the filthy money from Real Madrid, yeah. I mean, obviously, left. that yeah. and, and the brothers, as we know, but what a yeah. shame! I think he would have been absolutely world class. All right, Melvin, yep. come on, because uh, Carl Stark wants to know. What's Melvin's favourite game in the 60 years of watching the Arsenal? In so many, but one that the most nervous I've been at a game is the way to Spurs when we beat them one nil to win the league in 71. The atmosphere right. was unreal. Absolutely unreal. It's, listen, evening games, you're going to get a better atmosphere anyway. Spurs were third in the league. We were second stroke first in the league. And it was the last game of the season. And they wanted, they didn't actually want us to win the league, funnily enough, Spurs. And they threw everything at us that game. And they were a decent team. And Is we that the double played. in 71? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Also, oh, yeah, my dad was there double. as well. Okay. Oh, what? A, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You must have been about yeah. eight, about 10 then, Melvin. That's a good memory. God. No, I was, I know, I tell you what, I was, must have been 16, 15, 16, I was then. I bunked off school. This isn't going live, is it? Obviously, no, good. No, yeah. I, off <laughs> I went around to my mate's house, who I still speak to, because we were leaving early to go to the game, because we didn't have any tickets. There was no tickets for standing, though we managed to get a seat. Um, and then my father phoned up. I phoned my father up and say, I'll meet you early. And he goes, you're not at school? I go, no, of course not. I've just phoned the school up. They're looking for you. Let's go back to school, re-register, and go back to my mate's house. And luckily, we managed to get in just. I, I love all these old stories. Okay, so what's your favourite player then? Can you name one? Or actually, give me your three favourite players from Highbury Emirates now. Yeah, I'm going to ask both of you. So Okay, cool. It'd be very hard to do three, but I'm going to have to do it three. Melvin, come on, three right, favourite players. One, I'm, going, I'm going different eras here. For the old, mm. old, I first started watching football, Joe Baker, centre forward. Yeah, I've fantastic. heard of him. Brilliant player. A bit later on, there's so many later on, it's got to be Liam Brady for me. He was just different class. And also... Recently, uh, the uh, the Emirates take out the Invincibles because I could have all of them, the whole team, if you like. So let's take that aside. I loved watching Cleb play. For me, he was a bit of a magician, Alex Cleb. I couldn't Don't stand him. No, very, very lazy, lackadaisical. And then, then he did a big poo on us. And then he did a big cry about what he shouldn't have left. Another on one. The pitch, yeah. On the pitch, he was terrific. He was brought in to replace well. Perez, wasn't he? I think that you struggled to replace Perez. Anybody would struggle to replace yeah, him. I, I never really got him. I mean, looking back at videos, he was really good. But at the time, I remember thinking, watching him going, pull your socks up, son. He did have him down a bit, didn't he? He did have him down a little bit. Melvin, sure. do it in order. One, two, three. Who's your first? Liam. Second. Joe, ba Joe Baker. And Third. Cleb. Yeah. Okay. Danny. It's not very interesting. Number one, Tony Adams. We share a birthday, different year. The, he is the epitome of everything that was magnificent about Arsenal in the day. Uh, you can, people can say that he got he went to prison, but he, he turned his life around, and now he has turned other people's lives around. Yeah. And he is he yeah. is oh, everything that that George Graham's Arsenal 
yeah. and the early days of Arsene Wenger's Arsenal was second. Um, so you've got to mix in what they did for Arsenal, who they were as a person, and mix all that. I didn't read I don't the know, small print be... there, Danny. I didn't see the small <laughs> print on that. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be friends with Tony Adams. I don't think I'd even want to meet him. Don't really like Dennis Bergkamp. Wouldn't really want to meet him. Ian Wright, on the other hand, I'd want him to come round and 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 brush, wash my beard for me and and read me a bedtime story. Because he's a beautiful human being. I'm I'm thinking of getting my tooth replaced and getting a gold one, just in <laughs> honour of Ian Wright. So uh, I think combining all those things together, second place Dennis Bergkamp. Obviously, we named a podcast after him. Magnificent player. He was when I don't think people who uh, are only getting into football in the last decade understand what it was for not only us to sign Dennis Bergkamp, but a player of Dennis Bergkamp's quality to come and play in the Premier League, let alone just play for Arsenal. Uh, uh, the best player for his country at, uh, most of the time. And everything he did was just sheer and utter class. And I think we could have got a few more seasons out of him because he, he didn't rely on, on pace or speed. Just him being there was enough. And then third place, Ian Wright. It, just just Ian Wright, that's all you need to know. It's just, I love everything about the bloke. And even now, everything that he does on TV, a couple of times he's let us down, dodgy choice in glasses. But as a player, he embodied <laughs> the Arsenal the Arsenal fan. He was what every fan, you could relate to him, which is what we've missed for so long, having going, he represents me on the pitch. We're getting that now with Saka, with Smith Rowe, and with, with, with Benny Blanco and a few of those other English players that are, that are doing wonders. That's why the Halen boys are so loved by the Arsenal fans, because it mm. reminds us of the days of of um, Rowcastle and Campbell and Davis and Thomas and um, Parlin and all that lot. They, 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 we can see ourselves in them. So that's why they're, they're my top three. And Henri wouldn't move him in my top ten, because he did a big poo on us and left for the bright lights of Barcelona. And Barcelona used him like a cheap tart and then got rid of him after they'd used him. And then he went, oh, but I've always been an Arsenal fan. No, you haven't, son. Jog on. Oh, what's yours? Oh, I can't do three. I've got four. I'm really oh. struggling. I can't. <laughs> so two of the same as you, Danny. Okay. Well, actually three of the same as you, but, <laughs> but, but I actually five, but I have to add in Pierre and Perez. I, well, you're in charge. You make the And rules. Charlie Nicholas. I mean, I could actually, Charlie <sighs> Nicholas was my first hero. Um, he was the first um, sort of, Superstar. I was like in awe. But that's yeah. when I started properly going, well, not him, but properly going late, early 80s. But then when George came in and brought Charlie, um, Charlie no, Charlie Nichols was there before yeah. George, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. George got rid. Yeah. He came in 84, um, I think. Charlie Nicholas was my, I mean, as a young girl growing up, I, I hold my hands up. I did fancy him as well. So um, did I. And I was so, <laughs> so gutted, Dan. My friend met him and had a cheeky little kiss on the cheek. And she's a Spurs fan. And I was absolutely fuming about it. Uh, I'll never forget that. Um, whereas if I ever saw a Tottenham player out, never. Anyway. Especially if it's Teddy Sheringham. No, oh my God, don't even get me started. Scumbag. I did see him once. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, so Tony Adams, Ian Wright, Charlie Nicholas, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp, Robert Perez, Overmars. I mean, seriously, I can't do three. But if I had to, it'd be Wrighty and, and Adams. Um Burkamp Vieira, Burkamp Vieira. I just don't know. Um, but but we were, as an older, as older Arsenal fans, the luckiest people to see those sort of players grace the Highbury pitch. Mm. Because yeah. we are not seeing the same standard today. We are just not. Okay. So I always appreciate and think back to and and as much as you don't maybe like Omri, Dan, you can't. He was phenomenal for us. Oh, for us, what he did at Arsenal, from the moment he, the day he left Arsenal, he was dead to me. Everything he did before that, <laughs> probably our best player. Right out there for the best player ever. <laughs> Cole's laughing at you. Yeah, I am doing my 100 players. I could keep going. Um, I hate him, Carl. Um, so, so we are, we're, we're sort of, seasoned gooners or is it legacy gooners we're called or something yeah, I don't that's what know. the club called us legacy gooners legacy gooners <laughs> but, you or know, legacy it, fans but you know it's interesting because i'm now going to ask you and then we'll move on from this but i want to know your worst ever game you don't have oh, to be there I was arsenal there. your worst ever game melvin 
Right, I think it's the semi-final when Burkett missed the penalty against Man United. Changed everything. Oh, I was distraught. What, Ryan Giggs? Yeah. Oh. That, that, to me, was... Uh, a Hard like him. Yeah, it was. It was like, you felt, I just, after, I felt numb after that game. So mm. close, yet so far. I don't think we actually played very well that night. It was the replay, wasn't it? I went to the first one, didn't go to the second. And I was just, after that game, I was just numb. I'm thinking, no, did that really happen? Did that really, did we really miss a penalty with a couple of minutes to go and then get beat? And they had 10 men, remember? I think yeah. King got cut off. So, no, Do you know, I remember, Melvin, where I stood opposite the marble halls on the corner with everybody. Um, my dad knew a journalist at the time. I can't remember his name. And I remember saying to him in February, and my dad will back this up, I said, United will win the treble. And he looked at me and he went, young lady, no, they won't. Quite patronising, obviously. And I said, they'll win the treble. And from that moment on, when Burkamp missed, they wouldn't have won the treble. They, That's what I'm saying. We, that very we would have won the double probably. But, you know, football, in it? In a blink of an eye, it can all change. So that's your worst game. I'm just going to tell you mine before we go to Danny's. There's been many. There has been so many, I can't even begin. But the one game that, oh, that ever made me cry, and I've only cried once, was David Seaman, Paul Gascoigne, semi-final, 92-1. Danny, tell me, because you're going to know. 91. 91 when we won the league. That would have made the double, wouldn't it, Danny? We won the double, we won that cup. Seaman slips, Gascoigne scores from a free kick, and I was absolutely in tears. I couldn't speak, and I've never cried like that. To know that Tottenham had done that, <laughs> to know Gascoigne, and I was, I was talking to Alan Smith about this again. It was right in front of me where he took the free kick, and we just watched it go, and I was... Oh, I had the ump that day. So that, that, for me, is one of my worst games probably the worst feeling I've ever had. Dan, what year was that, by the way? 91, I think. 91, sure. okay, cool. If I give everybody, if I told you the date of this, the 3rd of May, 1995, everybody can have 100 guesses. You're never going to get it. What is it's it? Ars Arsenal nil, Wimbledon nil. It was, it was a Saturday afternoon, I think. It was freezing cold. It was wet. I don't drink, but I was hungover. Somebody else drove. And I sat there and I had my massive big Nike thing. And it's all pulled up over me. I had a little thing like that I could see through. I'm getting soaking wet and I fell asleep. It was the game was terrible. The players were terrible. The weather was terrible. Put my hands in my pockets and like that. And I went to sleep at a game. The only time a game bored me to sleep. Yeah, it can't be your worst ever game. It was a nil-nil. I remember. Yeah, absolutely. I hated it. I, w I wish I hadn't gone. It's near the end of the season. I'm sure it's that one. It was definitely a nil-nil with Wimbledon. But I, I suppose it was... Um, no, there was ones like the Chelsea one and like someone put up there, the Man United ones. That well, I'd Wayne have, uh, Bridge, fired. when he scored against us in the Champions League. I was quite well, distraught that night. Semi-final. Mm. Um, there's been some, but those games, we we played well. There's been quite a few games where we've done well or we scored goals. But that one just, just grinds me because absolutely. And it took me two hours to get there, two hours to get home. I had to sit in the car for an hour after with, with the heaters on, trying to just defrost myself. It was absolutely <laughs> horrendous. But the other games that we've lost, we've at least we've done something in. And we were going places. And uh, I think this was during the, um, the Cup Winners' Cup run. And so I think we may have won it just uh, a few weeks before it. So we weren't even playing our best 11. But it just grates me. Hated it. Can't even talk about it anymore. Well, <clears throat> Stefano says, don't get me started on the Villa Park game. I think everyone feels like that. But the one thing as well, my first ever and only, bizarrely, European game I ever went to and I've ever been to is the Champions League final in 2006. In a way, European game. Away, yeah, yeah, sorry. Me away. too. That's the only away one I've ever done. Isn't it funny? It's the only, oh, is it then? Yeah. I'll tell you podcast brother um, <laughs> from another mother. Um, the only game I've ever been to, Dan, abroad. It was incredible. I loved being in Paris. I loved it all. It was raining a bit, but when we got that in That storm there, on the way back. Good God. Oh, I was in a plane. Did, did you? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rain. I remember that. Um, Mad. And I never forget sitting in the Arsenal end and all... <laughs> I don't say anything, but all these chefs walked in dressed as chefs. And I swear, <laughs> 15 to 20 were dressed as chefs. So we went down past me and down the bottom. And me being the inquisitive person i am i kept saying to everyone 
Why are they in fancy dress? Is that what you do at European League Cup fi uh, League finals? I went all the way down and I said, excuse me, why are you all dressed as chefs? And they said, lasagna guy. And I honestly, I laughed. I was just about to say a rude word there. Um, I laughed my head off because I couldn't believe that they would do that. It's just so funny. Football humour is funny. Um, okay, so I can see many people's games uh, as well. Listen, everyone's got their own, haven't they? I mean, look, Ian's talking about the 8-2 at Man United. To be honest, weirdly, it didn't... After about seven, <laughs> I wasn't even bothered. I, I just thought... How can, if anyone's going to lose a game 8 2, it's going to be us, isn't it? It's called going past the pain barrier, isn't it? Once you get down up six goals, you think, well, that's it, man. You can't hurt me anymore now. Exactly, you can't hurt me. Melvin, Jim Eaves, Swindon Town League Cup final, which yeah, is what I that. thought you were going to say. No, I went to the that. The worst game. Well, but certain, I mean, the, what was that was shocking, but the one that I actually cried at was the year, I think, before that when we played um, Leeds United in the League Cup final. They beat us 1-0. They scored after about 25 minutes, I think, from a dodgy corner. And the rest of the game, they had 65 minutes of pure wasting time. When I say wasting time, they had a deck chair on the centre spot. They, The guy mm. from the right wing, if it was a mm. uh, throw-on, walked 50 yards to take a throw, and then he put it, gave it to someone else. And I was like, I was, I was I might have been about 12 at the time or whatever. I was absolutely distraught. Football would finish as far as I'm concerned. It was cheating. At the, I've never seen cheating like that before, ever, ever. Dirty um, leads. That was, <laughs> Dirty leads. Leads. It was, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I think that was the first final I went to for Arsenal. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was. That was then. That was 68, I think. So I was about 13. Yeah. There are so many horrible. games though that we could talk about that have made us upset, and it's true actually. I, I did lie. I did cry at another game, but Anfield 89, I cried happy tears. Mm -hmm. I was, it was a bit of a different emotion that day, that's for sure. Um, I think we've had I, more happy games than sad games. Not like we're Spurs fans, where we did no. something, we won the league once 100 years ago, and then we had a lucky UEFA Cup win, and the rest of the time has been anticlimactic nonsense and underperforming scumbags. But they, if this was their podcast, it'd be about three weeks longer, them all crying about all the terrible <laughs> games. Most of, most of ours have been brilliant. Did you see that uh, the podcast they were on? There was a City United Tottenham fan. I tweeted it last night. It was a, they absolutely rinsed the Tottenham fan. And they were talking about us as well. It was hilarious. Honestly, it was so oh, funny. I think there was about six people on the screen. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I didn't watch it. It. So it was like a minute long. And honestly, the City fan ripped into pieces. Um, yeah, we're not Tottenham, thankfully. Right. So let's just let's jump forward to now. Yeah. So at the beginning of the season, <clears throat> I think most people were just hoping and praying for fifth or sixth, for progress, for improvement. We've now got a massive chance of um, top four. But I heard someone say the other day, would we be overachieving if we hit it? I really don't understand when people say things like that. We are where we are in the table because that's where we deserve to be. And as the old cliche says, the table never lies. So Melvin, at the beginning of the season, what were your hopes and dreams and reality. I suppose fifth or sixth, I would have been mm. kind of happy with, seeing how the team played as well. But fourth would have been, no, I wouldn't have thought. Fourth would have been a very big bonus. I couldn't see it with the squad we had. Listen, I didn't see what the the, uh, the, the signings. I couldn't make any judgment on the signings yet. I'd never seen, I saw Ben White play. I've heard good things about him. Ramsdale, I saw one good, he played once against Liverpool when he played for Sheffield United. He was outstanding, but I didn't see him in any other games. Sheffield United haven't been on the telly a lot, really, over the last couple of years. And I mean, look at him, look at the changes made. So, yeah, from, from not knowing anything about our signings, I think fifth or sixth, I would have expected. Uh, fourth would have been a very big bonus, and I've been over the moon, Brian. Yeah, I was the same. Fifth or sixth, I, I couldn't see fourth. I absolutely couldn't see it. Um, Danny, same or not? We did a prediction at the beginning of the season. I can't remember what I said, but I remember being very... Um, uh, we did two shows, actually. 
Um, I think five of us did one show and four of us did another, the other four did another show. And I remember being quite um, positive, saying, saying that the, the remember when Liverpool weren't in Europe and they had a good run at the league. Chelsea won the league when they weren't in Europe. Other teams have done it. And they, Leicester, they had a good run and they won the league mm-hmm. when they weren't, I think they weren't in Europe. So I didn't expect us to win the league. But I said it wouldn't take much because everyone was thinking two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, they're the ones that are going to be top four. And I remember saying at the time that with Ole, Ole at the wheel, and bringing in Ronaldo is a very disruptive influence. And all these other signings they're going to do. Man United always do um, style over content. They'd much rather get the players, uh, the big-name players, whether don't care whether they're going to fit in or not. Are we going to pay $80 million for them? Going to Raphael Varane? Why, why would you need him? We, we've got Cavani and all these other players, all these decent strikers. They've got all the names, but not necessarily uh, a decent team. And I remember, I think I said we could make fourth. There's a chance we could make fourth place. Mm. But I also might have said that it's like when you're going on a diet, you don't want to lose 10 stone in the first year. You want to, you, you've got to go by progression. So to ask them to get back to being good, we need to go out from nothing, Europa League, cut maybe a year or two in that, build up more, then get to the Champions League. By us getting straight from nothing back into the Champions League, would it be a step too far for some of these players? Because a lot of them have never played European football. A lot of them have only been at the club for a year. And But the more that we go on and the more I see how, just how brilliant everyone is, I think, yeah, if we do get fourth, it could work. And not that we're going to win the, European, the, the Champions League, but we are such a, a strong defensive unit when everybody's fit and everyone's on their game. We're just a couple of players away from being probably the best Arsenal side that we've seen since maybe after the, the, the Champions League final. That, that kind of era where we've got so many decent players. Because remember, we had Almunia for so long and all these other rubbish players. We're, but now we've got such a strong spine if we can get a decent striker. Yeah, definitely. So Uta B said, remember this, third this year, you watch. Well, if we win all our games and we start our scoring... Game, our games <laughs> in hand are away at Chelsea, away at Spurs and home to Liverpool. Well, I mean, do you know what, Dan? I was just going to mention yeah, that because the game for Liverpool, we're playing three games in six days, but... But a lot of teams are, you know, are they and we're not in Europe. Date yet? Yes, it's, you've yeah. been asleep, darling. Um, it's revised March 16th. Thursday night, 16th, yeah. Um, so that, that's been revised. And obviously, we've got to wait for Tottenham to be revised. So we've got um, Leicester on the 13th. We've got uh, at home, Liverpool 16th, Villa 19th. And then no yeah. games for 13 days. It's mad, isn't it? Uh, it's, there we go. March the 16th at 8.15. Thank you, GB. Um, so we're all sort of similar, aren't we? But if we don't get top four, would you be really disappointed where we are at the moment at the end of the season? I mean, obviously we'd be disappointed because we're desperate for Champions League. But, Dan, do you think that you would feel disappointed? Do you think? Let, let me ask you a question. Do you think we're going to do it? Where do you think we're going to end up? I'm going to go fourth. I'm just looking at Liverpool's fixtures. Four days before they play us, they're away at Brighton. Four days after they play us, they're at home to Man United. So they've got some tough fixtures along that time as well with with the Inter Milan game coming before the Brighton one four days before that. So they're going to be fight. They're fighting on so many fronts. I think fourth place, we can do it. We've only got 16, is it 16 games to do? All these other teams, they've got League Cup final, yeah. they've got FA Cup games, they've got Champions League games. And then you've got the uh, those players. Some of their best players have been away on uh, the Afcon, and that's going to. When I think uh, Mane played six or seven games in the space of three weeks, that's going to going to. And so did um, Salah. So that's going to eventually. That's going to end up causing problems because they've played so many games without yeah. much of a break. But I think we can definitely do third. I mean, definitely do fourth if we're lucky, and we keep on a decent run. I mean, we were so lucky against Wolves. That was a real. That was a, such an important win to go to a team that have only conceded eight goals at home in the Premier League, to go there and to get that one 0 win down to ten men. That was that's a masterstroke. And bringing on Big Bob Holding like he did, he's not getting enough credit for that. That was a masterstroke. Yeah. And now we're, we're going to go yeah. and play Brentford, who have got one point out of the last six games in the bottom of the form league <laughs> table, and we're second with thirteen points. Yes, then, but it's Arsenal, Very, isn't it, Melvin? Uh, it's modern <laughs> Arsenal. It's Arteta's Arsenal. Got to trust the process, Amanda. I trust the princess process, Melvin. What do you reckon? Do you think we can do it? I think we can, but the biggest word in the English language is if. We have our best twelve. 
are very good. Anything below that is not so good. So if we if we get any injuries, we'll be struggling. If we get a clear bill of health and those stupid sending offs or bent sending offs, I think we can do it. And yeah. we score some goals as well. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, Stephanie Goldstein, my sister from another mother. I want top four. I'm ready to hear that famous music again on my Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Oh my God, that music's incredible. It's lovely. It, we do miss Champions League, don't we? And we miss what it brings as well and the players that could join us. And let's just hope we do get it. We've got Brentford tomorrow. Um, me, Melvin, will be sitting in the pouring rain tomorrow, apparently. Great. It's just going to be one of those. I can't, I can't cope with another game like Burnley because I went to that on my oh, own. Oh, no, don't. That was, that was, oh, that my was life. Torture. I was, was just torture. sitting there thinking, what am I doing? It was like that, wasn't it? So let's that just do football. predictions. Hmm? That wasn't football. They didn't come to play football, Burnley. No. No, I know. Horrible. horrible. Um, can we have some predictions for tomorrow, please? Melvin. 2 yeah. 0 to the Arsenal. 2 0. Who's scoring? Oh, don't ask me the hard ones, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You might get it right. I might see you at half time. I'm going to go for Saka. And I'm going to go for a uh, Smith row. Okay. Dan, what do you think tomorrow? I'm going to go 4 0. They've conceded 14 goals in their last six Premier League games. They are the absolute worst team in the league. We're going to smash them. Lacazette is going to get a brace. And then maybe Saka and Smith row are going to score a couple. It's going to be a good game. Because they have, they've almost avoided relegation in their first season. And we've seen so many teams, they do that in the Premier League, avoid relegation. And then they've got their sandals on. They've got their toes in the beach and they're ordering a, a margarita. So uh, yeah, we're going to go and then they're going to teach them less. I mean, they six games ago, they played Southampton, who aren't a great team. And Southampton smashed them 4-1 at home. And then Liverpool beat them 3-0 away. And Man United, they lost 3-1 at home to Man United. And we're better than Man United. So I'm going 4-0. Do you know what's interesting? Um Today, I thought we were going to go for a brace because we, we, we're not in that form of scoring many goals, are we? But I had a feeling today and I was actually thinking 4-1, Dan. That's what I'm going for, 4-1. But I'd like to just, just mention Mikey one. Arsenal fans happy with fifth or sixth and would be over the moon with fourth. No wonder this club is in the gutter. We're talking about this season, Mikey. We're talking about trying to improve and progress with what we have do you two have a comment about what Mikey says? Well, thank you for your comment, Mikey, anyway. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't agree because um, from where we were a couple of years ago, who would have thought we would have, been, have a clue of a chance to be full? This is a very, very young team. And as you say, we will progress with this team. We can keep the team together for four or five years now and that will help everybody. No, I, I, I don't think we're in the gut. You've got, you've got to be realistic. Who's in our division? You've got Manchester City, which is an, yeah. a country... You're against the country. You're against uh, the, the Liverpool. We've got a fantastic manager, and they get it right. You're against um, Man United. Just spend money. I know we should be betting them anyway, but we're lucky that Spurs aren't playing well. And you've got Chelsea again. You've got more, just more money than we'd ever have. So you've got to see who we're against. It's not like the old days where we had to just beat, for example, Man United on a one-to-one -one basis. You're, it's not a level playing field. We can't complain because that's where we are. We've, we've got an owner with money and he has spent money, but we're, he's not in the same league as the country, if you like. So you've got to, you've got to be realistic. You know, do you honest, does he really think we will just win the league this year or next year? Come on, we're not, we're not that good. We've got to be realistic. You know, we're not yeah. in the gut. We've got to be realistic. It's, it's not saying we're happy with that. We'd be happier with that. But we want to progress. We want to win the league. We want to win the treble. It's it's not about that. It's just that you have to be, as you said, realistic. Right. So we've done our predictions. Um, I'd like to thank everyone in the chat room. Thank you so much for all your questions. Um, please press like if you liked us. Please press subscribe. So I still have another show to do next week. My boss doesn't sack me if I don't get enough likes. Um, but just before we go, I would really, really love to do a shout out um, for a special young man called Jack, who's 18 and lives in New Hampshire. Um, Jack has autism and he's nonverbal as well, but he absolutely loves the Arsenal. He also watches this podcast. So I really want to say a big hello to Jack. And I love the fact that his dad, who is on Twitter, so please go and follow him, is at NH underscore Guna. 
massive Arsenal fan, even drives in New Hampshire a red Jeep, a red Jeep with the Arsenal number plates. It's an absolutely it's an absolute pleasure to have you watching us, Jack. I hope you really enjoy it. I really do. And thank you for supporting me, this podcast, and the Arsenal. Um, right, next week, people, I'm going an hour earlier. It'll be 8 o'clock and I've got a special guest. Um, all will be revealed next week. We just hope that tomorrow we do as we all hope and we beat Brentford and we get another three points for the Arsenal. I'd love to thank my special guests, Danny, I love you. You know that. You are always welcome. And how <laughs> weird is this that I'm the host? <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. Crazy. You've been my host for many times. So thank you for coming on the show. Melvin, I love you. Thank you so much. You remind me so much of my dad and your passion for the Arsenal. And I'm definitely going to get you both back home. Thanks to Thanks everyone in the much. chat room. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. I might see you tomorrow at halftime. Yeah. Um, we all want the Arsenal to do well. This show is is nothing without all of you. Please subscribe to the same old Arsenal channel. If you haven't watched Four Men and a Mic with Craig, Suburban Guna and James Cook, go and watch it. It was brilliant. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night. Unfortunately, Danny wasn't well when he wasn't on it, but you missed a good show, Dan. It yeah, I watched really, it. It was good, good, wasn't it? Really good. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Craig will be back next week. So will I an hour earlier next Friday. And as always, stay safe, be well, always Arsenal, always Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.